0: Amen. If you'd turn to Matthew 28 with me, we're going to be there in just a few moments. Matthew 28, we, we started a new sermon series, the first sermon series of New City Church last week, City on a Hill, where over the course of these eight weeks, we're going to be exploring how the good news of Jesus changes everything in our lives and empowers us to be a new city that shines the light and love of Jesus to our neighborhoods and the nations. That's a pretty good series. We're only week two, and I was incredibly encouraged last week when Pastor Mike discussed the vision of our church, which comes from John 13, and that is that we would be a people who love God because he first loved us, and that we would then, in turn, love others, our neighbors, as we love ourselves. This week, we look at the mission of New City Church, and it's going to be coming from Matthew 28. Um, before we do dive in, I want to reiterate something that actually Dan mentioned several months ago when we were recording videos casting a vision and mission and we were going over doctrine all these things preparing for New City Church. On the video where we released the mission and vision of New City Church, Dan said something really powerful. He says, Really, when we talk about the vision and mission of New City Church, we're talking about joining a vision and mission that has already been established. And so I just want to reiterate that. I think it's helpful for us to remember that there's nothing super creative, you know, that we're coming up with here. We're just looking at what Jesus told us to do. And we're saying, let's be those kinds of people. Let's do those kinds of things. And so because the vision and mission comes from Jesus himself and not from the staff at New City, I just want to remind you that this is worth giving your entire life to. So with that being said, let's stand up and let's read Matthew chapter 8. Verses eighteen through twenty. And Jesus and came came and said to them, the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Father, we just confess now, you are our authority. Jesus is our king, and we acknowledge your presence among us, and we ask you to speak to us now in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the mission? Our mission is to make disciples. Uh, I want you to consider that mission statement again. And I want to be clear on something. Our mission statement that we've proposed is that we want to joyfully declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to every man, woman, and child. I'll say that again. This is the mission of New City Church, to joyfully declare and demonstrate the good news, the gospel of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to every man, woman, and child. But I want to be clear on something. When we pose that mission statement to you, we're not just looking for you to obey the biblical, ma- biblical command to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. We're not looking for you to just check off a box of speaking words and living holy lives for the sake of speaking words and living holy lives. We're not asking you to go to your neighborhoods and every man, woman, and child in the nations, once again, just to check off a box. That is not the mission. The mission that Jesus gives us is to make disciples disciples. And so when we look at the mission statement, the reason we're saying we want to be a church that joyfully declares and demonstrates the good news of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit to every man, woman, and child is because we believe that this is the means in which the Holy Spirit will awaken life in dead souls and then they will become followers of Jesus Christ. The goal is to make disciples of Jesus. I remember going to the the Dominican Republic, it was probably the third or fourth time I went. We have a mission partner down there, Craig McClure. You're going to get to know more and more about him, and he was preaching on Matthew 28. And our some of you were, were there for this, and I remember we were all gathered in uh, Iglesia de la Gracia, and there we are, and Craig is preaching, and he's preaching through Matthew 28, and he says what this is because when you look at the text, "Go and make disciples." Oftentimes you hear like, "Well, what is the main command there?" And, and many people say "Go" because in English it's the first word there, but actually. The highlighted verb in this great commission is make disciples. And so Craig gives this illustration. He's like, you know, if I told Dave right now, and I'll just, I'll just use it for us. If I told Gabe Gabriel, what I want you to do right now, don't actually do this. But if I were to say, Gabriel, I want you to stand up. I want you to go to Safeway, and I want you to buy me a Coke. And he's like, oh man, I'm fired up for that. And I give him a thousand reasons why this will be a great thing for him. And, you know, I want him to obey me and stuff. He's like, all right. So Gabriel stands up. He walks over to Safeway. He gets to Safeway. And then all of a sudden, he's overwhelmed by the experience of Safeway. He's like, you know what, while I'm here... There are other things I need to do too. You know, my mom probably wants bananas. I'm going to grab a couple of bananas. And you know, there's gum. I like gum. There's a bigger pack of gum. I'm going to get that gum. And then, you know, Gabe looks like a Mountain Dew guy. So he's like grabbing a Mountain Dew. He's chugging the Mountain Dew. And he's like, "What was I here for? What did I come for, to Safeway for?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I remember the command. I got to go and buy a Coke." She's like, "I'm here. Look, at I did it. I came. I'm at Safeway." And then he goes and he gets the Coke and he takes a picture with the Coke and he sends it to his friends and he's like, "Isn't this an amazing Coke?" And he's just so proud of the Coke that he got. And he put it back on the shelf and he comes back. And I'm like, what did you do? He's like, I went to Safeway to get you a Coke. And I'm like, where's the Coke? He's like, oh, yeah. Sometimes that is how we obey the Great Commission. We get so excited about these experiences. We go in our neighborhoods and our homes, and we're moved in all kinds of ways, but we get distracted, and we think that obedience to the Great Commission is simply going. But the point of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the last command Jesus gives to his followers is, go make disciples. I mean, what good is it if Gabriel goes to Safeway, but he doesn't actually obey the command to bring me a Coke? Jesus wants us to go to every man and woman and child. He wants us to go to our neighborhoods and to the nations in order that we may make more followers of Jesus. So that is what we mean when we say we want to joyfully declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to every man, woman, and child because we want to see followers of Jesus. We want to be so full of joy We want our lives to be a powerful demonstration and witness to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We want to be keeping in step with the Spirit. We want to be bringing the good news to people so that people would know Jesus, love Jesus, and obey Jesus. The mission is simple. Make disciples. But make disciples of Jesus, not yourself. You're a poor person to follow, amen? That's the other danger sometime in churches, right? We, we have this creativity, we have these preferences, we have these convictions, we have these standards. We're a lot like the Pharisees sometimes. And so we go and like, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And really what you're doing is you're crafting and molding people to look just like you. But a follower, a disciple, is somebody who looks and acts like the master. And let me remind all of us, and myself included, we are not the master. We're not and so we're going out because our highest authority in life has told us to go, more, go make more people look like him. The mission, make disciples. Then he gives us the process. And the process is simply this. Go, baptize, and teach to obey. So the other action verbs in this Great Commission passage are quite simply the process of how we make disciples. Disciples. And really the participle there in the, be, in, in the beginning is, as you are going. And it's really powerful to understand that. Because sometimes we separate this act of evangelism and making disciples from the rest of our lives. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that evangelism and making disciples is this event or program. He's saying, as you are going in your life in every sphere of your life you are to be faithfully declaring and demonstrating the good news of Jesus Christ you're to be a faithful witness to the kingdom of God and in that process you have this mindset of i'm going to take i'm going to make the best use of all my time because the days are evil i'm going to take advantage of every single opportunity and relationship and conversation i have to declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus this means we must live with that mindset that we are always on mission always on mission. When we say we want to declare and demonstrate to every man, woman, and child, we actually mean that, every man, woman, and child. But let me be very clear. New City, as a gathered congregation, hosting gathered events, even outreach events, we will not be able to do that in this community. The way that we will reach every man, woman, and child, New City and other gospel preaching and teaching community churches, The way that will happen is when the members of the body of Christ rise up and realize, no, my job is to, as I go into life, be teaching and declaring and demonstrating. And in that case, we have a whole lot of hope. We have a whole lot of influence. We've got a whole lot of affluence when we go about our way outside these walls. When you leave the day, when you are commissioned to leave the day, as you are leaving, as you are going. You are to be looking for this opportunity to lead people to Christ and then teach them to obey Christ. You know, Jesus says we got to work while it's still day. The mission is never paused while you're breathing on this earth. Rest is coming. It's so good to sing about rest, is not it? Mike prayed it again. We sang it this morning. On those shores, we'll sing forever. Like, rest is coming. Are you exhausted? Amen. Come be refreshed by Jesus today. Come be refreshed and refueled by your brothers and sisters. And be reminded as you taste this little bit of rest here, be reminded rest is coming. And then be reminded as you leave, you can't rest yet. <laughs> the mission is still happening it's urgent. You're on active duty. So we leave with this capacity and understanding that we should be prepared to stop what we're doing at any time In any place to declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus. You know, in Acts, we see this. We see people having encounters with Jesus Christ through the faithful declaring and demonstrating of his disciples. And these disciples were always stopping what they were doing and always ready and prepared for response and asking for a response. In fact, there's this inclusion of baptism because Jesus is saying, look, I want you to go and I want people to be converted I want you to speak and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to call into repentance. And baptism is simply that. I'm I'm proclaiming that I've been made new. My sins have been washed away. I'm now confessing Christ as my Lord. And so as we're going, as we have conversations, we should have this mindset of, I don't just want to share with you. I don't want to just demonstrate with you. I want you to come and get in these baptismal waters. I want you to be saved. And then what does it say? And teach them to observe the word means obey all that i've commanded and this is sometimes the danger as well sometimes we're really good at going or as we are going sometimes we're really good at telling people the good news of jesus and how to be saved from their sin and who wouldn't want that gift on people who are dead don't want that gift but when the spirit is moving who would not want that gift And then we get them here, we baptize them, they're saved, there's some public testimony, and then all of a sudden we're like, job's done. Feels good, doesn't it? It's like, wait a second, the mission that Jesus gave us is then to teach them to obey all that their new master has told them to do. And we want to be faithful here. We want to help people in the power of the Holy Spirit endure To the end. We don't want to see shipwrecks of professed faith. We want to heed the warnings of Hebrews. We want to take seriously our children and our young adults and our adults and our senior adults who are seeking to live a life that is honoring to God and people who are seeking joy and happiness and purpose. We want to say, This comes from obeying your master. I promise you, has anyone ever here today who knows Jesus? Just openly decided, I'm going to rebel against my king right now. And then after you did that, you indulged in sin. Did you ever think, man, that just felt really good. I'm happy I did that. Or you overcome with a sense of conviction and even shame and sorrow sometimes. Yeah, you want to know why? It's always better to obey your master. Jesus has spoken these things to us so that his joy may be in us and our joy would be full. We've got to believe John in 1 John when he says, these commandments that the king gives us are not burdensome. They are for Our joy. It's the process. Go, baptize, teach, to obey. So our mission is to make disciples. Secondly, though, and this is where we bring in what Pastor Mike discussed last week, our mission is advanced by love. Now, it's important to understand something. Love is not the mission. Bear with me. The mission that Jesus gave us is not to go love people. It's to make disciples. So, in other words, the goal isn't just to go and demonstrate a changed life, to be joyful, even sacrificial, and benevolent, and patient. We're not simply, as one pastor said, trying to make the world a better place to go to hell from. Love is not the mission. But, church, without love, the mission will be greatly hindered. It's not less than love. In other words, we cannot separate what Pastor Mike preached last week, the great commandment. We cannot separate the great commandment, love God, and love each other. We can't separate that from the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Because we are also not being obedient to the great commission if we simply go and proclaim a mission but have not love. At that point, we're a noisy gong, Paul says. We can't go to a herding world to harass sheep helpless without a shepherd. We can't go to them with no compassion, no sacrifice, and no actual care on whether or not they end up following Jesus. And so what we see here is that the great commandment actually purifies our motives for evangelism. Love God, love people will purify our own personal motive for evangelism. The reason people in this world disobey the commission is always because they are first disobeying the great commandment. People who say, I just am not, it could be apathy, it could be habitual sin, it could be ignorance. But whatever the reason, the people who don't actively engage in seeking to make disciples, the first problem you have is that you're not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're certainly not loving others as you love yourself. There is a danger in the church today that it's like, well, I've been saved, I'm forgiven, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, come and get me. It's like, I say amen to all of that, but wait a second, we've also been commissioned and you are surrounded by a sea of people that will perish if they don't come to know Jesus. The root of unfaithful mission, the root of negligence to the Great Commission is the root of our sinfulness and apathy and prayerlessness and stinginess. It all comes down To our desire for our own happiness apart from God. Or our own happiness apart from the happiness of others in God. It's either the presumption that we can be happy without depending on God as the source of our happiness. Or without caring if others find their happiness in God. One of the things you really should take away from today is to incorporate in your prayer time something like this, Lord Jesus, help me care more for people who are perishing. Give me this sense of compassion in the depths of my soul for those who are perishing. When my friend or my coworker or my family member or my neighbor lashes out in anger, harms me, hurts me, harasses me, when people don't love me, when people are abusing me, when people are misusing me, when people aren't thinking highly enough of me, help my response to be they're harassed and helpless without a shepherd. Oh, Lord Jesus, please save them. Not this clinging to, don't they know who I am? Don't they know what I can do? We've got to have this serious compassion for people. And what will purify impure motives for evangelism is loving God and loving people. One pastor says, sadly, many people in the church are being sent out like bosses rather than servants. That it's more natural for us to shout the gospel at people from a distance than to involve ourselves deeply in their lives and to think ourselves into their culture and their problems, and to feel with them and their pains. Our, our natural instinct and tendency will to be to look out for ourselves. It just will be in our fallen human nature. And the good news of Jesus frees us from having to do that and frees us to actually love and feel for others. The deepest of loves and the greatest of fr- is going to come when we all in this church have a deep desire to know, love, and obey Jesus and enjoy him for all eternity and desire for others to have all that as well. The great commandment will purify our motives for mission. But the great commandment also will free us to demonstrate what we declare. In Galatians chapter five, verses 13 through 14, Paul says something incredible. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers, brothers. Somebody say amen. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Oh man. We've been freed! Oh man. From the bondage of sin. Thank you Jesus. But you were called to freedom brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. And then Paul says, the whole law is fulfilled in this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So for us to be faithful witnesses to the kingdom of God, for us to joyfully declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus to every man, woman, and child. I mean, if we seriously want to make disciples, it means that we will need to be ready to lay down our so-called rights if necessary. You want to make disciples? I'd get in the habit of laying down your so-called rights. You want to make disciples, you, you better prepare right now to be long-suffering with people. You want to make disciples, start asking Jesus to make you more kind and benevolent. You want to make disciples, are you serious about the Great Commission? Get rid of preferences and start living deferential lives. This is precisely what Jesus did. This is precisely what his disciples did it's what we must do there's a place as I was preparing for this that constantly kept coming to my mind it's what paul says in first corinthians chapter 9 in first corinthians you have all these divisions in the church you have people following different leaders You have different convictions on second-rank and third-rank issues, and Paul is doing his best, speak on the authority of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, to give biblical wisdom and principles. Here's what Jesus said. Here's how you ought to respond. But there's all these divisions, and Paul comes to this amazing place in 1 Corinthians 9. In the midst of all the divisions and controversy, answering their questions, which were full of selfish ambition, and here's what he says. I have decided to not make a use of, of any of my rights. Here's how I live. And by the way, later in 1 Corinthians 11, he's going to say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, this is is how I live. I lay down my rights so that I may win as many people as possible to King Jesus. Can I just ask you this morning, in all of your clinging, all of your preferences all of your desires, would you be willing, I'm not talking compromising biblical truth. (laughs) I'm not talking sinning. But would you be willing to let go of your so-called rights, even your own good, so that others would come to know King Jesus? Paul says to the Jew, I'm going to become a Jew. To the Gentile, I'm going to become a Gentile. To the weak, I'm going to become weak. Later, in another one of his letters, he says, I pour myself out like a drink offering. I endure all things, he says later, for the sake of the elect. It's like, oh my goodness. Paul, one of the most mission-minded and effective and fruitful people to ever obey the Great Commission gives us an example, and it's the example of Christ. And he says something in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. This is what he says. Nevertheless, we, he and others with him, have not made use of this right to be paid. But we endure long-suffering, patient, even, by the way, often in the New Testament, that word endure comes alongside a mentality of affliction and suffering. I endure anything, anything, say anything. Oh my, do you mean it? Anything rather than what? Rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Paul's saying he'd rather lay down his own rights than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the only place in the New Testament that this Greek word is used. You see obstacle in English scattered throughout the New Testament, but this one is a different Greek word. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. Paul uses it intentionally. He uses a different word for obstacle other places. And what does this word mean? It means a trench or a hurdle Anybody ever watch middle schoolers run track? <laughs> oh, man. I can say that because I was a middle schooler ran track, and I specifically remember in all of my arrogant pride, one time running the 100-meter hurdles, or 55 meters, or whatever it was, it was a long time ago, and I just tripped over the hurdle, fell flat on my face, and I was so discouraged I didn't even finish. Just walked right off. If I can't win, I'm not doing it. But the hurdle made, I, I, I tripped over the hurdle. It made me stop the race. I was so discouraged. People were watching. People were beating me. I'm like, this is lousy. In fact, I didn't run track the next year. I never did hurdles again, actually. I did long distance. Better preparation for soccer. But, but that's the word he uses. I, I'd rather endure anything than dig a trench or put up a hurdle on the road in which people are being drawn to Jesus or seeking after Jesus. Now, I, uh, stop with the theological nonsense in your head. I get it. Romans 3, no one seeks after God. No one is good. The Holy Spirit's got to work. It's what Dan prayed. Amen to all of that. But guess what? He does use means. You understand that, right? You and I, look at, look at your neighbor and say, you're a means. Do it. My goodness. Don't dig trenches, Paul says. You know what this word refers to in the New Testament period? This is what they would do. cities would seek to protect their city and their people their rights, their privileges, their money, all this type of stuff by digging big old trenches in the roads into the city and then cover them with different kinds of rugs or branches or things like that and so that when the enemy would come specifically at night they wouldn't see the trenches and they would fall into these pits be taken captive, they wouldn't be able to come and overtake the city or robbers and thieves would on these long roads between cities and towns would do the same thing On regularly walked paths, they would dig these trenches that cover them, that hide and wait, and somebody would walk along the way, somebody would fall in their trench, they'd go, they'd steal their goods, they'd beat them, they'd harass them. That's the word Paul uses here. I would rather lay down my rights than dig a trench that's going to catch people in a pit on their way to Jesus when we talk about our desires to joyfully declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to every man, woman, and child, here's what you need to know. There's no space there for any of us to dig trenches. No obstacles can come in the way. 1 Corinthians 1 reveals that there is one necessary trench that the Lord himself has dug that people have to fall into. That's the trench of realizing the depths of their sin and their need for a savior. First Corinthians 1 talks about this. The cross says the cross of Christ is a stumbling block. The cross causes people to stumble over their own sin, see their inadequacy to come to Christ on their own. They're never gonna be good enough. They can't fulfill the law. But here's the beautiful gift of God's grace: that in that trench, the Lord has provided a way of escape by the cross. To climb out in the power of the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. And what Paul says is that's the only trench that can be dug on the path to Jesus Christ. All of your other preferences, brother and sister. All of your second and third rank issues that you want to cling so closely to and post all over social media. And have every conversation with every person about. Let them go. You're digging trenches Do you know how many people are falling in pits because you can't make the main thing the main thing? No hurdles. Already the road is hard. Already the way is narrow. There's already going to be a line in which people don't get into the kingdom. Our job is not to police that line unnecessarily. Our job is to do everything we possibly can, even lay down our own lives as a drink offering so that people would come to Jesus. It was Spurgeon who said, if people go to hell, at least let them get there by leaping over our dead bodies. Issues need to be addressed. Paul addresses those issues in Corinth. Jesus addresses issues. The point is not that we avoid hard conversations and controversy and second and third rank issues. and not that they're unimportant the point is that when we turn non-gospel issues into gospel issues, we're digging trenches. We quench love. We hinder the mission. We turn into the worst kind of night robbers and thieves because we dig trenches on the way to an eternal city. So may God help us, right, not to dig pits. And may we help each other not to dig pits. Paul wisely counseled the young pastor, Timothy, and he said, look, if you've got to correct your opponents, and you will need to at times, Correct them with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Our mission is advanced by love. Don't separate the great commandment and the great commission. Finally, I want to leave you today with an exhortation to understand that our mission is the pathway to the greatest joy. Everything we just spoke about is so that others will be happy in Jesus and so that you can increase in your happiness in Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 21, it's John's version of the Great Commission. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So his words, his ways, his methods. Philippians 2, the condescension of Christ, he laid aside the rights that he sowed I mean, they're part of his very, you know, they are his. He's the highest authority. And he demonstrates this humility in coming to serve and to lay down his life. And he says, as as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And Hebrews 12 reveals something so powerful about how Jesus was sent. It says, Jesus went on mission for the joy set before him. John 15, he says, to his disciples, I, I'm commissioning, I'm giving these commands, I'm saying these things, that my joy would be in you, your joy would be full. We simply need to believe Jesus when he speaks, amen? We need to believe, I, I mean, do you struggle with being miserable? Don't answer that out loud. <laughs> Don't answer for the person next to you. Like Some spouses are like, yeah, you struggle with being miserable. It's like, You know, one of the greatest means of God's grace for you to grow, enjoy happiness is to tell people about Jesus. We need to trust that he keeps his promises. And so when Jesus says, here is the commission, here is the mission, go. I'm with you. I'm the highest authority. We've got to trust and believe that Jesus is sending us on a mission that will increase our joy. It's not against our joy. And what is that joy? There's, there's two things I want you to understand about this joy. First is that joy, there's a joy here that comes from seeing other people come to know, love, and obey Jesus. Shannon, I remember sitting with you and Brian when your girls made professions of faith. It's like, you know what? The happiest I've ever seen Shannon and Brian are in the moments where Taylor and Emma are talking about their love for Jesus. Are you kidding me? It came from faithful discipleship and work in the home. Is there any greater joy, John says, than knowing that your children are walking in the truth? I mean, you you know, those of you who have shared Christ with somebody, you've been the means and the sweet gift of God's grace to help lead somebody to come and receive forgiveness and be freed from shame and sorrow and know that if they confess their sins, God is going to forgive them, and he's faithful and just not only to forgive, but also to cleanse them, and they have the power of the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift in the entire world, and now they can live freely, they can kill sin, they can love people, they can have peace in the midst of suffering, they don't have to worry about tomorrow. I mean, are you kidding me? And when you see this connection, and people's minds and hearts and you watch shackles just fall off? Is there anything better than that? Oh my goodness. Is that not worthy of laying down your rights for? The joy that you think you can get from clinging to all of your desires and your rights? Jesus is saying, lay them down. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Let go. Let go, let go, let go. And watch the joy you receive when people meet me and are changed by me. And secondly and finally, there's a joy here that comes from the presence of Jesus. And what I mean, like, you know, the psalmist says, where can we go to escape the presence of the Spirit of the Lord? I get that the Lord is everywhere. But I'll tell you what, the Lord is at Safeway right now, and the Lord is right here in this sanctuary right now. But there's something unique about what the Lord is doing right here. You understand? There's something unique about our experience of the presence of Jesus when we are living obediently before Him. I, uh, my kids, sometimes obey me; sometimes they don't. Is that shocking? are you laughing? That should be shocking. My kids are perfect. You guys should all be like, what? Charlotte and Emerson? They're amazing. I know they're amazing. It shocked me as much as it shocked you. Sometimes they're little stinkers. And uh, so sometimes, you know, there's this back and forth. And I'm like, no, Charlotte, no Emerson, you need to do this. Why? Well, here's why. Here's all the reasons. And finally, sometimes, you know, you just kind of break as a parent. You're like, look, if you do this, I'll give you a treat. Stop, Mike. <laughs> I get it. That's not how I'm supposed to. I'm sure that never happened with Hannah and Abigail and Carolyn, right? Like, just whatever. What are you I'm kidding. I'm not talking about laziness. But there is a, there is a point where ultimately your kids will obey you, not because you're asking them to, and they're like, this is going to be for my good, but because they just want what they're only going to get if they say yes, mommy or daddy. And so you become a means to a different end as their authority. Now, this is the danger with a wrong understanding of our relationship with King Jesus. Jesus starts off the Great Commission saying, I'm your highest authority. And he finishes it saying, and I'm with you to the end of the age. And those two need to just consume everything in between and your entire life going, Jesus is my highest authority, and he's never going to leave me. And the way that I can experience the beauty and joy and freedom of that presence more and more is if I do what he tells me. But here's the catch. I don't want to do what Jesus tells me so that I can get what I really want and it not be Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm the greatest gift. My, my, my sweet Charlotte someday will understand. I understand this actually more and more so with my parents today. I this is amazing. I, I, I don't call my parents enough and say, I'm sorry for how I acted. <laughs> you made incredible sacrifice for me. You guys were so amazing. I see now. My, like, this is what happens. I have a strong relationship with my father and my mother today because I'm not using them anymore. I just really love them. I really, really love them. In fact, the thought of using them taking advantage of them to get something else that wouldn't actually increase our relationship together makes me really sad. My Charlotte, my Emerson don't understand that right now. And maybe some of us in this room don't understand that. But what I'm telling you is when you obey Jesus because you want to enjoy the presence of Jesus and your relationship with Jesus all the more, that is so much greater than any other pursuit in the world. When your desire is Christ himself as the greatest treasure, the greatest joy, the fullness of joy, it's like these rights that you're clinging to, these second and third rank issues, these preferences, these other idols, they just fall by the way. And you're like, I'm not using you to get what I want. You are what I want. What do you want me to do? I want to do that because that makes me more like you. That keeps me right here in the manifest presence of Jesus. And I sure do like being right here in the powerful presence of Jesus. So our desire is New City Church is to regularly gather in these moments so that we can be in the presence of Jesus and we can be encouraged and transformed and God's grace will work through all of us and our gifts and our acts of service and our encouragement and our singing psalms and our praying and our singing songs and spiritual songs and Pastor Mike preaching and others preaching. It's gonna be amazing. But as you leave, your obedience should be fueled by great love for Jesus, great love for other people, and it should be fueled also by your desire to have more joy in Jesus. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. We're joining a vision. Amen? We're joining a mission. And because it came from the mouth of Jesus, it is absolutely worthy of giving our entire lives to. I'm going to ask if Paula and Brother Brad would come forward. We're going to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to sing a song as we close that is a prayer, asking God to do these very things for us. This should be good. Sorry. You good? Good?
1: Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that these Sunday morning gatherings are. Lord, I pray that we will not take them for granted and neglect the body lord i just thank you that we can be refreshed coming together in the community that you've given us lord i we all know that we could be and will be fully satisfied in you and you alone lord but i pray i thank you that you designed us for community lord and then also gave it to us god i thank you for this body of believers that we have in this building and for the other believers we have in our communities around the world lord I pray that we will see it for the grace and the love and the gift that it is and that we will take full advantage of it in our sanctification and our growing towards you and our work on this mission, Lord. And I pray that we will even more so desire to bring more people into our community, Lord, with you and with one another that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Lord, is. Pastor Dave prayed when he opened, you are our authority, you are king, you're with us till the end. And Lord, you've commanded us to share Jesus, that we may make disciples of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you will help us to obey this command, not for fear of what you would do to us if we didn't, or even try to earn favor with you, but Help us to want to obey this command out of love, knowing that you first loved us. Lord, we're still just getting to know each other, but right now we all already know you. And knowing you changed everything for us. Being in Christ changes the way that we think, the way that we talk, how we respond to life, how we live life. Being in Christ governs, how we respond to each other. Being in Christ governs how we respond to the community around us. And I pray, God, that in Christ you will help us to be faithful to respond to this command to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Help us to love these people around us because you first loved us. Help us to give of ourselves to the people around us because Jesus gave himself to reach us give us the compassion to look upon this community around us as our mission field ready for harvest and just Lord deliver us from being too busy to rescue the perishing deliver us from loving the good life more than we love others who need Jesus so Lord we are free from the law free to live in Jesus Help us by your grace to stand fast in that freedom, I pray. The freedom that Christ gave to us. The freedom to love. The freedom to go in love. And so, Lord, don't just make New City Church a fun place for us to come and worship and study and fellowship. Truly, we pray that you will make it a city on the hill. Yes. A shining light in this community for Jesus Christ, for our joy and for your glory, I pray.